This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for information and inspiration on the conscious parenting journey. The conversations you'll hear on this show are all intended to offer you tools for moving forward, expanding your lens, and shifting your narrative to one of possibility, connection, and empowerment. When we bring deep listening, acceptance, and courage to our relationships, we are doing our part to evoke it in the world. I am thrilled to partner with you on this path. Hi, listeners. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Mary Nelson Tamborski, wife and mother of three boys. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist in San Diego and also a certified positive discipline trainer and parent coach. Mary's formal training is secondary to the life training she received from her mother, Dr. Jane Nelson, a marriage and family therapist and author of all the positive discipline books. So you all have heard me talk about Jane Nelson. We have Mary, her daughter, on today. She is a popular keynote speaker, a positive discipline trainer, workshop presenter, offers many positive discipline parenting classes local to her area and out of the country, which I hope you tell us a little bit more of that. And from the earliest time she can remember, her mother and her father had involved her in respectful communication, encouragement, and focusing on solutions. I'm so, so excited to have you on the show. Mary, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Casey. I'm so happy to be here. Please let the listeners know a little bit more about you and what you do. Well, you know, it's funny when, as soon as you said being raised with, you know, encouraging, respectful, open communication with my parents, I never really even appreciated it until I became a parent myself. It was, you know, just something that was kind of by default being raised with positive discipline and not really accepting or appreciating the benefits that go along with that. So, you know, here I am second generation and I didn't know that I was going to get into this field until I became a mother myself. I was, you know, just finishing up my master's program to become a marriage and family therapist I had a lot of the principles that I learned from my mother, obviously, through her book, Serenity, which is about finding love and and serenity in relationships and in life. And I realized how much of that came naturally to me. And then when I became a mother, I realized how much of the positive discipline came natural to me. But then I would find myself stuck. And of course, who am I going to call? 
And so she would really kind of help narrow out the the principles and the tools that I needed to use and, and then obviously be my own little therapist. But I never really appreciated it until I became a mother. And then I also realized that as good as it all sounds in theory, I mm-hmm. my hat goes off to every mother that and father that researched this and and do the work and read the books and they're excited and they think that they've got these principles down and then they get the opportunity to really practice these tools with their kids and they realize it's not as easy as the book lays it out to be. So I am raising my kids second generation and with all of that has come the inspiration and then of course all the experience of practicing what I know, what I teach and um, really reminding me that there's no such thing as a perfect parent. I find that these principles are universal. So they are great, obviously, for parents and children, but it's also just human beings in general. Mm-hmm. So I find a lot of the the principles behind positive discipline are true to the adults that I work with in therapy. You know, feeling disconnected, not feeling that sense of belonging and significance and feeling really discouraged. And so here I am using these tools, these principles with adults as well as children. And then of course, trying to practice them daily myself, which isn't easy. Yeah. Well, and I love it. It's usually around the third week of the seven week positive discipline class where the parents come in and say, I'm practicing this with my partner and my work colleagues. And I say, yeah, you know, it's, it's humaning, Mm -hmm. right? Even bigger than parenting. And when we consider that the lens that we see our kids out of is, you know, everyone being equally worthy of dignity and respect, it's no wonder that how we treat our kids, you know, it, it should be a mirror of how we treat our friends and how we treat our coworkers and the checkers at the grocery store. And it's about, you know, human to human relationship. So I really appreciate that you mentioned that. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating to me, right? Because I, I feel like so many of us bump up against our own conditioning and, and the idea that like positive discipline is a theory and it is beautifully laid out. I really appreciate the structure and the way that it's laid out. And then you put the human beings inside of it and it can get really messy. And it makes me feel really good that it gets messy for you too. (laughs) Oh, all the time, all the time, which is going to lead us into hopefully what we'll talk more about today of, of having that reflection and really modeling for our kids and the ownership of, of the mistakes that they make and the mistakes that we make and, and what we really want to teach them long-term. Like what is our real goal? Yeah. When raising our children. And the hardest part is putting that ego aside and owning our stuff. Oh man, for sure. Yeah. And one of the pillars of the positive discipline philosophy is the belief that mistakes are wonderful opportunities to learn. And I feel like this pillar, along with, we often will say, trust the process and we'll say progress, not perfection are all easier to conceptualize than they are to practice. Will you talk a little bit about what, you know, that mistakes or opportunities to learn pillar means to you? And again, Casey, it's one of those principles that I was almost, because it was just part of the language when I was growing up, I didn't realize until I was older, even in college, and then becoming a therapist and working with adults and then as well in schools with children, and asking them, what do, what do mistakes mean to you? Like, how do you mm-hmm. perceive mistakes? What do you think about mistakes? And with the children that I work with, they kind of like shut down their posture changes and they look down at the ground. And, and then when I'm able to kind of draw forth, they say, well, mistakes are bad. Mm-hmm. And I say, oh gosh. And even adults that are just so full of shame from the mistakes that they make 
rather than really truly seeing it as an opportunity. And I didn't realize that this is the way I was raised with mistakes or opportunities to learn is not the principle or the foundation of, of how most people think. Mm-hmm. And it can, it can just invite so much shame and so much pain and guilt and remorse and all of that. But when you're able to, to shift your thinking and saying, okay, I made a mistake. What did I learn from it? What can I do differently next time? Mm-hmm. Is there anything I can do to fix it? Mm-hmm. And anything I can do to avoid it from happening again? These are questions that we have to obviously ask ourselves when we make mistakes as adults, because we all do, especially in parenting, mm-hmm. but then to really draw forth from our kids when they do that. So when our, you know, and my kids, I'm realizing it now too, Casey, because I've got um, a five-year-old, a nine-year-old, an 11-year-old. And so here, all these little seeds have been planted since, you know, they're just beginning to, to, talk, to talk and it's in their language as far as what's the opportunity, you know, are we focusing on blame or are we focusing on solutions? These are the, you know, the the language that I've been speaking to them. And then when he, my oldest turns 11 and he says, mom, they're so worried about, and he puts up air air quotes, consequences (laughs) rather than what's, what's the solution. They didn't even say solution. And you know, he's backed by that. He's like, they're all about blaming and finding out whose fault it is. And so I realized that now his expectations are, wait a minute, why are we focusing on blame? We're supposed to be focusing on solutions. And I'm like, <laughs> he gets it. And he, and I see it in the family. And honestly, mm-hmm. the fault is the F word in our family. So they have learned to say, you know, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. How do we fix it? Mm-hmm. So if anything happens, I say, what's the solution? Mm-hmm. And, so, and then there's no shame involved in that. And and what a what a gift that you're giving your kids to take everything from spilt milk to a full on, you know, wrestling match upstairs to where somebody gets hurt. And then obviously having that time to connect and be calm and in that rational brain, but then focusing on, okay, how do we fix it? How do we avoid it from happening again? Do we need to put it on the agenda? Um, what's the solution and really drawing forth from them. And that's, you know, two minor examples. I could go into deeper examples, more detailed examples, but really just focusing on that these are opportunities to learn. And it's not just a saying. Yeah. Well, and I wonder too, so my question back to you with that is I would love to know what your experience is, because I think that, and you can tell me from your, you know, the work that you've done, I think often what parents bump up against on their quest to see the opportunity is the emotional attachment to they that they have to whatever the mistake is that their child has made. So some mistakes, um, you know, are, they're not all weighed the same, right? And so sometimes it's feelings of like, I'm they parents themselves are dealing with feelings of embarrassment and shame because of their child's mistake or just, you know, I know one thing that's really tough for me is when one of my children hurts the other child. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a really terrible oldest sibling. And Mary, <laughs> I know that you fall farther down in birth order. I was a nightmare for my siblings. And so yeah. I'm really sensitive, especially when the older is unkind to the younger. And so that stirs up all my stuff. So do you have like, what, how do you help yourself when, because I'm, you know, you are, even though being raised by Jane Nelson, you still are a human being. So I'm guessing that there is, you know, emotional stuff that can show up sometimes when your kids get into mischief. What is it? What does it feel like to you? What is kind of your practice of, okay, there that is. And now shifting into how are we going to fix this? What's the solution? 
Well, I think what you said about the parenting and the embarrassment is, you know, and it's so tricky because when we when we get stuck in our in our head, which is the logical, you know, shame and and mm-hmm. mostly our ego, and that our children are a reflection of us. That's what we, you know, in our head logically we're thinking rather than speaking from our heart and thinking, okay, our child's growing. This is the first time that they've been nine or the first time they've been 11. And these are brand new, you know, territories for them or situations for them that they need to navigate through. And the fact that they didn't say it perfectly or how we would say it or do it, how we would do it. It's, it really truly is our, our chance to kind of teach them. It's Mm -hmm. a teachable moment. And when I make mistakes, which I do, and like you said, Casey, the biggest button pusher for me, my mom can tell you, I feel like all the principles and tools are out the door. And that's when I see, you know, the red and mm-hmm. go primal is what it feels like when my kids fight. Mm-hmm. I almost just don't even want to see it because I know that they can work it out and they'll, it, there's never any bloodshed or, or broken right. bones, things like this. But if I can just stay out of it, then, you know, a lot of the decision-making and the beliefs that they're forming with mom not getting involved are much healthier. Yeah. And, I don't want to be a referee and we could do a whole podcast on yeah, let's birth do that. Order, birth order and sibling <laughs> rivalry and how much we get involved and in, in the results of that when we do. But when I lose it and I do, I have to obviously pause and take that moment of reflection. It's usually the guilt that takes over first. And then I go back in and I repair it and mm-hmm. I have to own it. And when I do that, it takes a lot of courage, I think, to be vulnerable and honest with yourself and with your child and say, you know, mommy really blew it. I got so mad when I saw the two of you fighting and I, I saw you getting hurt. I know it could have been avoided. And you, this is what you're thinking. You don't say too much of that and mm-hmm. you just say, I'm really, really sorry for how I behaved. I want to make it better. Is there anything that we can do to um, avoid it from happening again? And and then really drawing forth from them, like, how did that make you feel when you did that? What could I have done differently in that situation that would have helped you? Mm-hmm. And um, obviously the hugging it out and the connection and and putting it on the agenda, because so many of these challenges are avoidable. And when we're having regular family meetings, the fighting, I can't even say it practically, it just does, it stops. Mm-hmm. And it's on the agenda often, because I have three boys. And so I think a lot of what they do is is very normal. But when they get into the the problem solving and focusing on solutions, then there's not usually the aftermath of the hurt feelings and the shame involved in my in my place of where I or how I responded to it. Yeah. So uh, it, it's it's hard, but you have to also think about too what you're teaching them long term. Mm-hmm. And when I had a girlfriend, a really good girlfriend of mine, um, who I grew up with, and our boys are the same age, and she said, Mary, you say you're sorry to your kids. And I said, probably every day. And she says, but isn't that like a reflection of you being a bad parent? And I said, no, <laughs> it isn't. It actually is teaching them that it's okay to be imperfect and that it's okay to say you're sorry. And not just that blanket apology that we're taught at, you know, age two of you took the the shovel out of the sandbox, go tell that boy you're sorry. He doesn't even mean it. Right. And so we're kind of conditioned to say we're sorry, and then it's supposed to make everything better. But when you go a lot deeper, what are we teaching for me, my young boys as men, as far as ownership of of their mistakes, you know, how they contributed to whatever it is that happened, the situation, and then how do we fix it? The outcome is what it is. Now what? Yeah. How do we fix it? And so I can't, you know, reverse time, unfortunately, rewind time for how I behaved in certain situations. But I definitely know that I can repair it and learn from it 
and teach them all while I'm being imperfect of how they can then respond when they're imperfect. Yeah. Well, and the listeners have heard me talk about the activity that we do in class, the two lists. And when we talk about the life skills, we want our kids to one day embody responsibility, accountability always shows up. And this is how they do it. It has to be modeled, it has to be taught, and it has to be practiced in real life experiences. And so that's, again, and that's what I often will say to parents too, when they, you know, like, okay, you have like... 30 seconds to go into beat up mode. And then look at this as a celebration because you get to model this really important tool that your kids are only going to learn by seeing you do it and then practicing it themselves. In fact, it's funny that you talk about modeling, Casey, because this is really coming up for me right now. And we just created a new activity that's going to be like the third list of the life skills and characteristics um, that you want your children to develop. And then the modeling, we're going to have parents drop forth as far as on a list. What are some of the characteristics that you hope to model for your children? Like, what do you want them to see and learn from you? And all of those things that you just said are going to be on there, but it's only when we're in that state of vulnerability or, you know, challenge that we really get the opportunity to show them how to behave or how to repair when we have bad behavior. And, and know that, you know, when we lose it, it okay, it, it affects everyone and it's part of human beings yeah. and we need to figure out what we can do after we lose it so that, um, it can be fixed and yeah. so that it can hopefully be avoided in the future. Yeah. I, I have a blog post around one really quality losing it time that I had one of many, but I wrote about this one. And, you know, the interesting thing for me, it was, it was, it was a while ago where I think Rowan was 10 and I completely had not a great parenting moment. And when I went in for the amends, Mary, I, it was one of the, I haven't, she's not super affectionate and she let me lay down and like spoon her and hold her. And I, you know, made my amends and I felt actually closer to her mm-hmm. through that process than I had prior to the incident even happening. Right. It was really, really powerful. And that seems to be the kind of the philosophy in my life, you know, for a lot of different things. It's when we usually blow it and have like that really kind of upsetting moment, whether it be, you know, something that we failed at, whether it be a test or, you know, driving too fast and getting a ticket or it, it still, it, it's room for growth mm-hmm. and it's room for that, that deeper connection, whether it's with yourself or with your child. And, you know, I agree with that. It's, it's, you know, we see it with our spouses. Sometimes we have to have like that, you know, kind of, uh, fight if you will, or, or, you know, total communication breakdown Mm -hmm. for you to have that, you know, one-on-one hour of, of closeness and communicating and connecting and right. Yeah. Because it, it, and then you're like, oh my gosh, it's like, I almost feel closer to you now after we've had that fight, because Mm -hmm. we were able to talk about all those different things that were kind of bottled up or built up or unset, unspoken, and it, it ends up making you closer. Absolutely true. Something that's been, that I've become more aware of the last few months with my teenager is that's exactly what will happen. And I can feel the pull away and the tension and then exactly some incident occurs. And it's almost as if the metaphorical wall that she's built gets a, an, a, like cracks open so that mm-hmm. she can then step 
back into relationship with me. And it's mm-hmm. when I can remember like, oh, this is just where we are right now in this little cycle. And I can remember like, okay, eventually we're going to have that crack in the wall. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. That helps me navigate navigate all my shit that shows up mm-hmm. in the meantime so that I can be conscious and available and aware that that, you know, that I can be there for her. So you, you got to break down to break through, right? I love that. I love that. And it's so true. It's so true. You know, and, and, and then again, what you're modeling for her is huge so that she knows that she can come to you in a time. And if she just needs to spoon you and just kind of wrap her arms around you and to know that you're not going to push her away and that you're going to accept her and that you're going to talk it out and and, and create that closeness. Oh man. Parenting is no joke. I know it. I know it. And you know, one of my favorite quotes from my mom is, um, you know, where in the world do we expect our 
children to control their behavior yeah when we're losing control of our own yeah it's like stop being so disrespectful and yet you're the one that's being disrespectful to kind of invite that response from them and that's something I've learned with my children and have then of course been able to use it in therapy with my clients is that if you were to imagine that you're wearing a mirror Mm-hmm. around your your neck, like a huge mirror. And the responses that you are getting from other people are usually the reflection that you're sending out. Mm-hmm. So when you smile, you get a smile back. When you throw in a little tone in your, in whatever it is, <laughs> you're going to get the tone back. And then it kind of sets us back into that ego state of don't talk to me that way, young lady. Yeah, you know, how dare you? For you, After all I've done for you, how do you think that you can be so disrespectful <laughs> and create that sass? I'm just trying to help you. Oh, yeah. And then you, and then you have the 11-year-old that's been raised with positive discipline and says, Mom, the only reason I'm taking the tone is because you're giving me the tone. Oh, yeah. And then when, like, the, the, the hand goes in the mouth, the fist goes in the mouth, then it's like, <laughs> oh, you're absolutely right. But it takes, again... For a parent to be able to like let that go as far as it's not your child being sassy. These are the tools that you're teaching them. And mm-hmm. th- you know, this is the language that you're teaching them. And so for you to be able to be called out on that, whoa. Yeah. That's where you have to really step outside of that ego. And it's not easy. And I remember recently I was, you know, my big thing is that we need to take time to pause and, and to connect before we correct, right? And mm-hmm. half of that with my children is just simply calming down myself. Mm-hmm. So if I see something, you know, that's triggering me, I have to literally like just go in the bathroom for five minutes and I'll say it because I want to teach them. I say, mommy is so upset. I can't even talk right now. Mommy's so upset. I don't want to solve the situation right now. I need to go take five minutes and calm down, you know, and with that tone. Mm-hmm. So I come back and my five-year-old or my 11-year-old says, mom, you might want five more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah. And I could have, because I obviously still had a tone, I could have said, oh, you know, don't talk to me that way. You're the reason I'm feeling this way. Right. You're the reason I'm going to take five minutes. But to say, oh, you know, and it's usually just a look. And he's absolutely right. And so I'll go take five more minutes because I'm clearly not calm. But then later, after, you know, we're able to connect, usually at bedtime, I'll say, you know, buddy, I really appreciated that. Yeah. And at the moment I felt even a little bit triggered, but I really like you helped me so much to be able to understand that I clearly was not ready to to yeah. solve that situation or to try to connect. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, it, so one of the things that I do is I try to ask permission. I'm I'm full of shoulds. I know what everyone should ultimately do. And my job is to like rein that in and recognize, oh, I'm not the only person on the planet and other people have opinions as well. So I will say, can I offer something? And the kids think it's hilarious. And I'll say support. I use the word support. Like, do you need support? And so they they have a good time teasing me about, oh, do you need support? Um, but Ian recently, <laughs> I, you know, clutter, I, I've inherited some trigger slash dysregulation around clutter that I work on all the time. And so walking into my son's room at bedtime, when all the drawers are open, I don't know why, like, why is it so hard to just close the drawers? Um, All the drawers are open, you know, things are strewn about and I just, it's a physical experience. And I, you know, and I have to walk out and Ian came in recently, followed me out and said, mom, can I offer you something? And I just, in my mind, I was like, I knew what he was going to say. And I had to find that humility, right. And say, 
Yes. And he said, you know, you need to really remember that this is, you know, that you've told me that this is my room and, um, and it's really hard when you have a bad mood and you kind of drag us all into it. <laughs> it's just like, ah! thank like, you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, excuse me for a few moments. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go process that. <laughs> but ultimately, I mean, it's always difficult to be called out on your stuff, right? And, and it, we, and it's such a gift to, you know, to teach our children to see those opportunities and to help us learn and grow as well, I think. Right, right, absolutely. Hey, everybody. Oh my gosh, I am so excited that I get to serve you each week in all the ways that I do. I know that Joyful Courage is meant to make an impact on the world. I know this 100%, without a doubt. I also know that the show does that. I get emails and messages and cards in the mail even from parents all over the world that have found that what is shared on the show is changing the way they parent their kids. It's changing the way they are experiencing the parenting journey. And I am super honored to be stepping into the bigger call to do this. You know that I'm a positive discipline trainer. I'm a personal growth development coach and facilitator. I'm a speaker, a mover, and a shaker. But what I have always been is a connector. I connect with people. I support people with connecting to themselves and their families. I have a gift for allowing others to feel seen and heard and understood. And I am a relationship builder on fire. I hold space for communities of moms and dads to come together and vulnerably share. I do my own vulnerable sharing here. I hold space for them to support and celebrate each other and the collective journey of parenting. I am super honored to do this work. I'm honored to be in contribution. I'm honored to have a voice and a platform that moves others to do the deep work of moving past the bullshit and into their deepest authenticity. So that being said, I want you to know that I have a new way for you to be in contribution to the work of Joyful Courage. I have e-courses and coaching and there's different ways um, and offers like that, that you can invest in this work. But I also have a Patreon page and Patreon is a service that allows people to be in contribution towards the resources that they love. You can become a patron of Joyful Courage. And the really neat thing is it's pretty small increments. It's a monthly subscription. So for a dollar a month or $5 a month or $10 a month, you can be giving back to this program. You can be giving back to Joyful Courage. So I want you to head over to www.patreon.com slash Joyful Courage www.patreon.com slash joyful courage. And when you get there, you can see the different ways that you can be in contribution to the work of joyful courage for as little as the cost of one latte a month. You can be helping with the sustainability of this business, of this podcast, and of the work of bringing more love and more connection to the children and the families of the world. So go check it out. Do you have any questions? Let me know. I'm so, so, so excited.
So shifting from mistakes should be punished to mistakes being opportunities to learn. What do you think gets in the way of people embracing well, that? I, you know, I think that consequences are very much in the language of most people that I meet, you know, in the schools and even in your, in your job or your career. Yeah. Um, and w- we both know that consequences are disgu- disguised as punishment. Yeah. And so most parents really struggle with, you know, well, my child did this, there needs to be a consequence. Mm-hmm. And so I think just shifting the language of, okay, what is the actual, like the outcome obviously isn't what you were hoping for or what you expected or anticipated. And we need to, to, to shift the vocabulary, the language as in, instead of there being any kind of shame or blame, how do we fix it? Mm-hmm. How, do, how do we fix it? What did you learn from it? And I, I just, I can't express that enough that I think parents really, you know, th- they think that the, the choices that their kids make are a reflection on them when they forget that it's just actually part of learning and growing. Yeah. And I mean, we all wish that we were fortunate enough to have our kids learn from our mistakes or listen to our words of wisdom so that they could avoid all of that disappointment and all of that struggle. But that's part of their development. And it's it, the, the more struggle they go through, the more like challenges that they experience, the more resilience they're going to experience mm-hmm. and, and develop. So it's really hard for parents to step in and think that they need to pay for it. And when they do you're taking away from the learning as soon as there ends up being any kind of shame or blame as in you need to pay for what you've done. And it's usually not with the three R's and an H, which we know well, which is related, reasonable, respectful, and helpful. Mm-hmm. If it's not all three R's in those, that one H, then it goes into the three R's of punishment, which is going to be the child feeling rebellious or revengeful or retreating mm-hmm. and feeling bad about themselves and there's no learning, there's no growing. So on paper, a lot of the times, you know, and I've even had this discussion with my husband, he said, but there's consequences in life. It's mm-hmm. just how the way, you know, the world works. If you speed, you're going to get a ticket and that's your consequence. And I'm not going to have a discussion with the, you know, the highway patrolman and saying, you know, this was a really great and helpful reminder that I need <laughs> to slow down and that I need to leave, you know, leave the house sooner and I need to be more prepared and so on and so forth. So there are going to be consequences, but I'm going to have my own reflection. If that, that officer isn't chewing me out and, and saying, what were you thinking? How could you be so irresponsible? You're a mother, you have three kids in the car. You're going to put their life in, in, in jeopardy and all for the cost of you being somewhere on time. How could you be so selfish? I wouldn't feel remorseful at all. Mm-hmm. I listen here, officer, you don't know what I'm going through. (laughs) I would immediately get defensive. And and so I think that when we do that with our kids, when we feel like we have to implement these consequences, when we have to implement the learning rather than really drawing forth and, and asking all those questions, the curiosity questions of, okay, wow, that was huge. Mm -hmm. You know, tell me what happened. What caused that to happen? How do you feel about it? What are you going to learn from this? What are you going to do differently so that it doesn't happen again? And is there anything I can do to help you or support you? And, and, and it doesn't have to be so, because parents get a little overwhelmed by all those questions. They're like, wait, slow down. I need to write them down. No, 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 no. It sounds like a script. And if you, if you use those questions like a script, your kids are going to smell that script. Mm-hmm. And they're, it's, it's going to come across as a technique. And they smell a technique a mile away. It's got to be the principles behind those questions of truly being curious of where that child was coming from, 
and then drawing forth and, and understanding what it is that they were learning, how they feel about it, what they can do to fix it. And then that's when you can have your later reflection because they're not going to appreciate it at this age. Wow. What did I just teach my child with all of those questions and all of that learning and letting them really, truly experiencing that, you know, the mistake mm-hmm. and all that was involved in that mistake versus saying, you did this, you know, better. I told you this is going to happen. How are you ever going to learn? I'm going to have to ground you because maybe you'll think about it more next time. No, because right. kids are doing something they're not thinking. Usually <laughs> most adults aren't even thinking about the outcome what the result's going to be. They're just in the moment. They're being five. They're being nine. They're being 11. Yeah. I think that we do a lot of assuming like on the parent end. I mean, the assumption, especially around consequences is if I do enough to them because of this choice that they made, the next time they are in that situation, they're going to make a different choice because they'll remember, oh, I don't want to get into trouble. And the assumption there is that they have the tools and the skills to navigate that situation in a way that takes them to a different outcome. And they just, they, they don't, if they, if they haven't, you know, if they haven't had the experience, if they haven't had a really open, honest, non-judgmental conversation, if they haven't, you know, had the, that curiosity, those curiosity questions to help them even know how to reflect on what right. they've just experienced, then, then there they are in the moment. And, you know, and when we talked before I hit record, I have an adolescent and, you know, it's not enough for me to say, Hey, I don't want you to do this. Don't do this. It's bad for your health. <laughs> like right. she is finding herself in peer groups and she's, you know, caught up in the excitement and she's got a teen brain that is like, eh, probably not going to get in trouble for this. So you know, I'm going to dabble a little bit and it's messy, right? And it's messy. Mm -hmm. And part of me is like, I was saying to you, Mary, like, where's the tower? I get it. I I get, let's put all of them up in the tower until 25 when their brain's fully developed. You know, ultimately she's, she's navigating her world. And because she can come to me and talk to me and I don't typically fly off the handle, even though inside my body, I might be wanting to fly off the handle. I'm available. I'm non-judgmental, and I'm curious and not just, I love that you said that it's not about the script. It's about, and, and this is exactly what showed up at the dinner table last night when we were talking about vaping. I, it like, there's the questions that clearly are, I'm digging for information. And then there's like really feeling the shift in my body of like, wow, I really want to know like what the draw is, like, what is it that's exciting about this to you? And not so, and and she, cause she, well, both my kids, they can feel like this is a setup. <laughs> like the kids know Our when kids something, yeah, they're so smart. <laughs> and, and like, and if we have some history around being judgmental, you know, then, then that's even going to get in our way as well of having these conversations. So I really love that you brought up curiosity as a way of being and not just simply in the, you know, oh, just start the sentence with what or how and you're golden. Mm -hmm. It's deeper than that. And it's bigger than that. And it, again, coming back to ego, it requires us to shed our agenda and shed, I mean, unless our agenda is simply curiosity, but Mm -hmm. you know, if it's to trap them into saying something that we can then counter, then it's, 
it's going to fall flat and it's not going to be helpful. And trusting the process, right? Yeah, that's where, that's oh my gosh, it's I so thought I got it. I thought I got it. And then high school rolled around and I was like, oh, this is not what I thought. <laughs> you know, and it, it always takes me back to Casey is that what it is that we want them to learn long-term. And sometimes I almost wish I could have that, that long-term list like right to the right of their head yeah. so that when I'm coming at them with what feels so, you know, logical at the time and then to ask myself, okay, everything that we just had a discussion about, and if it's usually, you know, if, if, if we were going more of that punitive consequence route mm-hmm. and saying, this is how you're going to learn, like hopefully not for me, but for other parents that, you know, really have still kind of gotten stuck on you need to pay for your consequences. This is how you're going to learn it, it. Then you'll think about it more clearly next time. So let's just say that was, you know, the theory and that's outcome. I was punished. I turned out fine. And mm-hmm. I'm a responsible contributing society, you know, member to society. Okay. But when you go a lot deeper as in, okay, what was it that you were learning? If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. So for, for example, I don't know if you want to use like a vaping example or something more general of, of a, of a mistake that would be made and the consequences that would go along with that mistake. Oh, let's, let's talk about vaping, please. Okay. Okay. I'm going to use this to my own advantage. Okay. So (laughs) if, if you're, if, if, if the challenge is that your child is, or that your daughter is tempted to follow peer pressure and, and to, to vape or mm-hmm. try it. And cause like, so, so according to her, like 75% of all the kids at her school are vaping. Okay. So, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> and that, and, and I could see how that would be really scary for parents. Cause they're going to go through, I always love your dead in the ditch. Like yeah. <laughs> you're going to go the total extreme, yeah. you know, and, and are, is she going to become addicted or is she going to, sure. is this how she's going to cope through life? And is this her just being insecure and trying to follow along with her group or her, the friends and all these different questions that are coming up. And so we want to try to avoid, you know, the scary outcome. So if not you or me, but if we were to say, okay, 
you are not allowed to hang out with those friends anymore. I'm taking away your allowance. You have no money or means to buy anything. I'm going to, you know, check in with you daily. I'm going to put, you know, a nanny cam in your backpack or you know, I'm going yeah. to catch you. And then I'm going to, I'm going to control the situation by either grounding you until you graduate or, or, you know, putting such a tight, tight leash on you that you will not be able to get away with this. Right. right. As if. As I if don't that agree. Ex- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't agree with it. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure you don't do it. Right. 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 Let's just say. Yeah. Looking at that list, what is she learning? Yeah. No life skills. Nothing. She's not learning anything. Well, actually, she's IT. probably learning what I learned as a teenager, which was don't tell my parents anything and get better at getting sneaky. Being sneaky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I never really did, mastered it, but I did caught. give it a good old try <laughs> time and time again. <laughs> but that's where your focus was. Right. Your focus was on not getting caught. Right. And that you were going to do it anyway. Yeah. And so oh, yeah. why not be able to build that relationship and that connection and, and truly drawing forth? And it, it takes me back to the example of when I wanted to get drunk with my friends in high school. And my mom, probably like you, was, you know, like feeling paralyzed. I'm like, Oh, you know, like the worst fear. I hope that she was kind of freaking out. I'm going to ask her about that the next time I see her. She absolutely (laughs) was. But you know, she was fresh with her tool belt on and was ready to practice what she preached. And she, she really did model those curiosity questions. And the outcome was that I had decided that I didn't want to do it. And had she been more controlling or more punitive of like, okay, well now that you've been honest, I appreciate your honesty. That means a lot to me, blah, 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 blah. And you're not going to be able to go tonight right? because I don't want you to be in harm's way. I don't want you hanging out with that group of friends. I don't want you, you know, having that reputation. You're guilty by association. What if one of them gets caught? What if you get in trouble? Blah, 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 blah. Just going on and on of all the different things that could have happened. Right. But instead by just really being curious and with that connection, obviously, because had she been scripted, I would have known mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have been genuine, but it, it, the outcome was, it, it, it just... Oh, it is such a blessing to have a parent that just truly loves you and supports you and can guide you Mm -hmm. through all of these hurdles that are going to come our way. And we don't know, vaping wasn't even on the map five years ago. Yeah. So we couldn't have predicted this. And I don't know what's going to be on the map for my, you know, soon to be high schooler. Yeah. And how I'll handle it because the ego will get involved. But I know that the connection that we're creating now in middle school is crucial yeah. It is, it is, it is crucial. And so we haven't come up with anything as big as vaping, but there has been lots of others. Yeah. And so he knows when he's 16, 17, that he can't talk to me. Yeah. That I'm not going to shame him. I'm not going to criticize him. I'm not going to punish him, but we're going to, we're going to kind of go through this together and he's going to trust me. Yeah. He's going to trust me that I've got his back. And, you know, I think, yeah, that's so big. And that's something that I learned from Amy Lang, the birds and bees and kids gal, who's been on the show and is a dear friend of mine. Love her. She's all about your kids will come to you as long as they know that you can handle it. Mm -hmm. And so it's, like we said, it's this blessing and curse, right? I mean, and I actually, and I think I've said this last fall on the show, You know, I pulled out my Positive Discipline for Teenagers book, which I read before I had a teenager. Why? I do not know because (laughs) (laughs) it's not the same as actually having one. And read the section that said, are kids who are raised with Positive Discipline, do they rebel? And so I think it's important to highlight, like, great 
curiosity that your mom had with you, the curiosity and the availability that I have to my daughter doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to say, okay, okay, well, I'm still going to play with this. I'm still going to try this. Like it can go, you know, we hope for the the outcome to be like, all right, you know what? I do feel pretty solid in who I am and, and I don't need to do that. And sometimes that's not the case, but either way, relationship is intact mm-hmm. and they'll come hopefully yeah. and say, gosh, you know what? I did end up wanting to, I did end up drinking at that party and it made me, you know, and whatever it made them feel, do say, the door is open to even processing that. And I think that that's super powerful too. And that's, that's what we're talking about, right? Mistakes being opportunities to learn and trusting that that's going to be more powerful to them than, you know, the lockdown, the lockdown or the lectures, because what we want to do is to help them avoid those. But I don't think there's as much of a learning there. So let's say it was the embarrassment. Let's say that number one, mom just doesn't want you to to do anything that's going to embarrass you. Well, sometimes experiencing that embarrassment is where I really would learn. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then I'll say, you told me so. And she'll try not to like be like, you're right. I did tell you so. <laughs> try not to have a dance but- party when you hear that from your children, people. <laughs> It'll kill the moment. <laughs> but the learning had to come from within. Yeah. As much as we wanted to just kind of, you know, stuff it in and, and, and have them avoid that situation. It's like, ah, oh, I'm yeah. 43 and I'm still learning. If yeah. only I would have listened to my mom. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think there's this way that we, again, that we get in our own way when we feel like our kids shouldn't make any mistakes. Like, Mm -mm. you know, you know, and again, everybody knows I'm in the throes of adolescence. So it comes down to, you know, the peer pressure stuff and like to expect that my kids will make it through middle school and high school without doing any kind of, you know, engaging in, in nothing risky, like that would, that would be great. I mean, I'm not saying like, I'm not open to that because <laughs> I am. However, you. yeah, no, it's however, beneficial for you. Yeah. But it's not, it's, it's in a, it's an inappropriate expectation. And, and there's not as much learning and there's not as much learning. And then, so don't be surprised when they are like in their brain development, which by the way, the risk-taking part of the brain grows and develops way faster and is way stronger than risk assessment in adolescence. Well, which is a good thing because like I have heard Dan Siegel say, we never would have left the cave otherwise. So, right. <laughs> right? But, you know, I think that that's a big piece too, you know, like, and and that's what we're talking about, celebrating those mistakes, looking at them as opportunities to learn and grow skills and as opportunities to see where your kids' gaps are. Right. Absolutely. You know, uh, one of the things I wanted to add, because it's, it just keeps coming back um, for me, whether it be in my classes or, or with clients, is because they're really struggling with this. Again, because of, you know, our, our children are a reflection of our, parent, our, our parenting skills or whatever it may be, a reflection of us. And so I say, okay, same situation because they may not be getting it. And I'll say, all right, your best friend comes to you and your best friend just fully discloses, you know, how she messed up. How do you respond? And you can just see the shift. It's like, ah, the light bulb just goes off. It's like, oh my God, I would never shame them. I would never say, well, what were you thinking? And and why didn't you listen to me? And when are you ever going to learn? They would say, I would never speak to my best friend that way. And there's this kind of controversy of like, you're not supposed to treat your friends or your children like your friends. 
but what is it that you want to create with yeah. your child as far as that closeness and that trust? Yeah. And you want your friends to know that they can come to you and that you're going to love them unconditionally and you're going to be there to support them and you're going to be there to help pick them up when they fall. Yeah. You're not going to, you know, kick them when they're down and put salt in their wounds and come up with a consequence for them so that they truly learn that lesson. No way. We would never even think about doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. I feel like that's a whole nother podcast, that whole be their parent, not their friend conversation. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. You're right. And I think that that, you know, I mean, look at, Brené Brown's work. There's a reason why everybody loves Brené Brown. It's because so many of us are slogging through the shame, blame, you know, the stuff that we carry because of early experiences in our life. And the thing is too, um, Casey, that I really want to make sure that I I point out, because this is something that we both and all know, undeniable is that we all love our children and everything we do is in the name of love. And when parents are even punishing their kids or making them pay for their mistakes, their intention is to teach their child. Their intention is to help them. That really truly is their intention is to, (laughs) is to help them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And when we get stuck in that way of thinking of that the punishment is going to really be helpful, that's where it gets sticky. Yeah. And so knowing that even if you are, you know, stuck in, in the consequences or stuck in the, in the, in the making of them pay for their, their mistake, I truly know hundred percent that it's in the name of love. Mm-hmm. And I know that you can enjoy your parenting journey so much more when you can create that closeness, create that trust, create that support and for them to really know that they can come to you yeah, and, and that you can learn through that, you know, all of these situations, all of these challenges together, that you've got their back. Yes. It, it feels so much better. It does. <laughs> Which I <laughs> want to say, you know, uh, Maya Angelou, she says that when you know better, you do better. I think that with being raised by positive discipline and now teaching it, I have to disagree I truly feel that the the more I know, the worse I feel when I mess up. <laughs> it just adds more pressure. Right? <laughs> well, there I have a lot. That's it. That is something that I talk a lot about too with, with clients and in my classes. It's like, okay, it, like there's a it, awareness is a double-edged sword. Yes. Right. However, something that I will say is like, and how great that you are aware that what you just did wasn't helpful. Mm-hmm. Like that and is, that's yourself. a stepping stone, you know, that's yeah. a stepping stone. Even if it's, even if you haven't caught yourself, even if it's after the fact and you look right. back and you think, oh my gosh, I totally could have handled that better. Great. Awesome. Guess what? The opportunities to handle yourself better are going to be endless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, You'll get an opportunity as soon as you get home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Mary, I could, I'm looking at the time right now and I can't believe I mean, I could talk to you for another hour, but I feel the same way. So my last question, always my last question is in the context of holding mistakes as opportunities to learn, what does joyful courage mean to you? I think, um, I love that question. And I hear you say it all the time or ask it all the time. And in this conversation, I really think it's about accepting yourself as being an imperfect parent, that there's Mm -hmm. no such thing as a perfect parent. And 
you know, you would think that I would have a major advantage being raised by the author, mm-hmm. uh, being trained in, and, and being a therapist. Like I really should have this parenting gig down <laughs> and there's a helpful reminder with my children daily that there is no such thing as a perfect parent. And just having, like you had said in the beginning, progress, progress, not perfection. Yeah. And, and just really kind of being gentle with yourself that when you do blow it, cause you will having the courage to accept it, admit it, and then repair it. And, 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 and know that this courage stuff is, is never ending. It's, we get opportunities to practice it daily. Yeah. And you can have joy in that when you accept, when you, when you shift your thinking as in, oh my gosh, I was imperfect. Ha! I have an opportunity to teach yeah. my child that they get to be imperfect too. And that we're, you know, in this journey together, this is the first time I've been a a mom of a nine-year-old or a a five-year-old or an 11-year-old. This is my first time. I could read all the books in the world. I could even be raised by the author. And guess what? It's still my first time. So I'm, I'm doing the best I can and the courage to accept that I'm not perfect and we get to be joyful while we go through that process. So great. Thank you so much for that. Remind the listeners um, where they can find you and follow your work. Um, my website is marytamborski.com and you'll see a couple of the new segments I did where my boys were, um, very happy and enthusiastic to be on the news. And I talk about <laughs> routine charts and family meetings and we've got, uh, I've got blogs on there and my schedule that's really crazy busy right now. So do you travel? Yeah. I know you've been to China and you're going, are you going to Egypt? I am. And I'm taking my 11 year old son. So this is going to be the best trip as far as the the opportunity and the connection with him. You know, the, the mom guilt comes in every time I leave, but Mm -hmm. then as you know, this work is so rewarding. So it's, it's again, it's kind of double edged because I'm traveling and teaching what we're talking about. And yet I'm away from my kids when I do it. So this Egypt trip will be a lot of fun because it's, um, one presentation for three hours and we're going to do, uh, the whole tour, uh, down the Nile for five days before. <gasps> oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. That's we're so, so cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Mary, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I really appreciate it. It was my pleasure, Casey. Joyful Courage community, you're amazing. Big thanks and love to my team, including my producer, Chris Mann at Pod Shaper. Be sure to join in the discussion over at the Live in Love with Joyful Courage group page, as well as the Joyful Courage business page on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts or really anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. You can view the current Joyful Courage swag over at the webpage, intention cards, bracelets, e-course offers, the membership program, one-on-one coaching. It's all waiting for you to take a look. Simply head to www.joyfulcourage.com slash yes. That's joyfulcourage.com slash Y-E-S to find more support for your conscious parenting journey. Any comments or feedback about this show or any others can be sent to Casey at joyfulcourage.com. I personally read and respond to all the emails that come my way. Reach out, take a breath, drop into your body, find the balcony seat and trust that everyone is going to be okay. Everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. 
two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.